Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I am Irish and celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Uh, my name is Luke, and I am not Irish, so I do not celebrate St. Pat- St. Patrick's Day or St. Paddy's Day, not Patty's Day. I I've, am- seen a, I've seen a huge amount of people like tweeting things about Patty's Day today and explaining that they're Irish, and I'm like, that's not how any of this works. I would argue that the the most Irish you can be is a guy who was born in America and grew up in Boston. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, Macklemore is what we're saying. As we, as we all know, he is the only true Irishman. That's right. Macklemore is the only Irish person. <laughs> Welcome to the Content Minds. This week we are talking about the Biden administration, which seems very determined to bring back the year 2012 and all of the horrors from that era. But first, we have an anniversary to celebrate. Do do we? Yeah, this is the one year anniversary of the Content Minds. Oh, cool. I th- wow, I'm, that's 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 gone. I'll be honest, that's gone slowly. It has gone Pro- probably for other reasons. Why? What happened? What else has been going on? Oh, I just you know I've been making like wedding plans and stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. So chances are, um, not all of you listening to this have been listening to the show since the beginning. And honestly, you can kind of, if you wanted to binge the show, you could probably just start um, around August. Um, yeah, this is the second iteration of the show, and the first the first iteration was much more. Uh, therapy like it was strange i mean it was basically just like us completely unraveling in our apartments during the height yeah. of lockdown whereas now we've unraveled so there's no more unraveling to come dude i'm raveled baby i'm completely raveled now <laughs> or no i'm yeah i've yeah okay um you unravel i've you, been are you saying you've raveled are you saying you've raveled back up mm, no I'm threads. I've just become completely unraveled. You're threads. fully unraveled. Yeah, I'm yeah. fully. I'm fully unraveled, bro. The show back then was called Trailblazers, the first ever podcast to be done by men, and it was kind of just like us bringing our friends on and having them tell us about how they weren't going insane. And not much is actually well, held I mean, over. I, I think. I think we're giving ourselves, uh, you know, being a bit harsh on ourselves because obviously, you know, we were trailblazers. We did change the <laughs> podcast industry. Like, if you look around now, there are just <laughs> dozens of podcasts hosted by men, and I think. It's a real tribute to our to our success, and we should we should take pride in that. You're right. I'm sorry. You're very right. You're welcome. The only thing, actually, if I'm thinking about it, the only thing that's really the same from that version of the show to this one is the end thing we do about content to consume to stay sane. Yeah, the rest of it's kind of different. We're still consuming content, and we're still not sane. So that's it's right. Fine. That's right. It's that's right. Um, so happy birthday, Content Minds. Happy birthday, me and Luke, podcasting through our friendship, Luke. How is the internet this week? I think the internet, and obviously I realize that these are often just me projecting whatever I feel onto the internet, but I feel like the internet this week has been nervous. Interesting. I would agree with that. I think it was the post-Harry and Meghan period, because I think it was such an explosive moment uh, that it kind of just, you know, it was a little bit, everyone was angry, stuff was going everywhere, stuff being thrown everywhere, and everyone's kind of like, 
sneaking back into the room and being like, are we, are we, are we good? Are we still are we still mad? Is that what's happening? No one's quite sure what's happening. So yeah, nervous, I think is how I'd describe it. I would say both of our countries are pretty mad for very different reasons. Well, linked yeah. reasons, but different enough right now. There's been a lot of bad stuff on the internet in both of our countries in the last week. It has been. And it's very confusing. It's a very confusing time because things are COVID-wise getting slightly better over here. And they're kind of in a weird space for you guys, right? Well, they were going very well up until, uh, what would it have been? About four hours ago um, <laughs> when they announced, actually, we've kind of run out of vaccine. or We're running out of vaccine. We're recording which, this you know, on a Wednesday, by the way. Yeah, we are. Um, which is, you know, is one of those things that, yes, it is. It's it's to describe it, which we are still doing very well. We are still doing better than many other countries. We're doing a good job with the vaccines, but we are now running out of vaccine, and that kind of like really quick thing of unlocking everything is now probably gone. We're gonna have a pretty slow next few weeks and months, which is you know it could be worse. It's more important that other people in other countries get vaccinated quicker than relatively non-vulnerable people here. But yeah, um, we're in a better space than we have been for a long time. I would say. It's the first time, pandemic-wise, that I would rather have rather be in Britain than any other country. Yeah, I mean... With the, with the obvious possible exception of Israel. Yeah, I mean, America, it's still very state-by-state. State. Uh, I've been living up in Massachusetts since August, and Massachusetts is number one in the country for like large states, and it's doing really well, and our system's pretty good. We have like a pre-registration thing being rolled out. It's it's good. Things are beginning to feel a little more normal, but they're pretty they're pretty far away still from normal things are still very unraveled i think the thing that people are not quite i don't want to say comprehending but not quite i think mentally prepared for is that you know once once you know we get like 70 percent vaccinated everyone's going to feel like it's immediate and we're ready to go and we can just stop but it's it's actually probably going to take a bit longer than that so it's, there's going to be like this extended period where it's nearly normal which i think is going to be also quite stressful yeah like probably less stressful but It'll just be where it's like, yeah, it'll just be like, okay, you can do almost everything except these three things. And they'll be like quite odd. I could be like, cinemas will remain closed. And you're like, oh, okay. It, I mean, honestly, as long as I can sit outside and drink beer, I think I'll feel <laughs> a lot better in my brain. Like, I think I'll just feel better. It would be nice. Luke, speaking of feeling better in your brain or not feeling better in your brain, have you seen the videos of the teenagers or like young people live editing? like their TikTok movements? I have not. Okay. Me. All right, here we go. So uh, admittedly, this is probably going to be a little confusing for people because um, like it's visual, but chances are, if you're listening to the show, you've probably seen these. Um, there's like two clips going around and I'll link to them in our show notes. But basically what what's happening here is uh, these young women are doing the movements required to make it look like their TikToks are being edited in a cool way, but they're doing it live and pausing the recording as they're doing it. Okay, I'm gonna watch this now. Okay, this is making me realize that I've never seen anyone actually record a TikTok, so I have no idea how this differs to normal. No, no, that's the thing. I don't think anyone has seen how these are filmed, so everyone assumed they were being filmed like in a less insane way. Okay, hang on. I need to see the clip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. So, so what they are basically doing is doing the cuts live. Yes, exactly. Got it. Right. Okay. That was that was throwing me because I was like, I couldn't understand whether they just replicate the news. No, that's. I mean, yeah, that's impressive, and I'm kind of unsurprised by it. But the, but the fact that people know when to move and when to cut, like, sure. <laughs> I um, it's funny you said that you've never seen anyone make a TikTok live. I was uh eating lunch like on a roadside little restaurant in like rural Brazil uh, a few months ago, and we look over and there's a teenager and she set her camera up on the side of her parents car and her parents are like sitting at the same restaurant as us and the teenager is just doing like really weird hand movements and for a minute i was like what is she doing and then finally i was like oh my <laughs> god she's recording a tiktok <laughs> yeah there was a there was a clip going around a while back uh, that i'm never gonna be able to dig out uh that's just extremely good of uh just filming someone snapchatting who i'm gonna take a wild stab at was uh, gen z uh but yeah she was just snapchatting and just like had like a completely dead face and then for like half a second would like smile or do a funny face and then go back to a dead face for like a second as she hit the next one in the queue and then would do another smile funny face and then back to dead face and it was uh that's so dark <laughs> yeah i was like i was like same <laughs> i actually saw a video the other day of a woman who's like hey guys remember to like and subscribe and definitely like leave a comment in the chat to like let me know what you like and then her face just goes completely dead as she like silently uploads <laughs> a video and i was like oh my god <laughs> yeah luke what have what have you got for me today what gem of the internet have you brought today i don't know i'm kind of sorry i'm just i'm going back to, to the thing that just happened that what we're just talking about because it's it's like blowing my mind that there is a an extended theory that the only way that the world is ever going to be happy, that, that, that the only way any of this is going to pan out is if it's essentially this, the, the, the Chinese model of having, you know, giving people rewards for emotions while they're being constantly watched. What are you, so, you talking? Wait, hold on, Luke. Okay, what okay, are you okay. talking about right now? Okay, okay. So, <laughs> so in, in China, in China, like a year or two ago, I finished the Adam Curtis documentaries over this weekend. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, this <laughs> one ex okay, okay. You have extreme, I just finished an Adam Curtis documentary energy, yeah. and that, okay, that explains it. I have, I finished Adam Curtis documentary and then like did like two 15-hour days in a row, and I'm I'm losing my mind. <laughs> but, 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 so what happened was the the... There's the system in China, which you've probably heard about, and everyone's probably heard about. Where... I'm going to play the Adam Curtis music that I made for the other Thank episode you. under this right now. Thank you. Where people are given rewards based on how they're surveilled mm -hmm. about doing socially optimal behaviors. Uh -huh. So if you buy healthy food, if you cross the road correctly, if you uh, help an old lady cross the road, all of those things give you points and you therefore get you know better rates on your credit cards, you get discounts at stores and all this thing. And the idea is that this panopticon surveillance state can incentivize good behavior. And it no longer matters what thoughts people have in their own heads because they're doing the correct behaviors out in the world. And uh -huh. I'm just realizing that this is precisely what's happening with these social media videos, that people are portraying the correct performances to be happy to imply and make the rest of the world feel happy as well while not actually being happy inside uh okay i see what you're saying yes but we're not doing it from a state level we're doing it from like a capitalism standpoint yeah exactly yeah i mean i i sound very jovial and happy on this podcast i am not and I am performing this parasocial relationship for our lovely listeners, hope, hoping that they'll pay us more. And then I can continue to fake that emotion for them. Exactly. Yeah. No, I. it is interesting. 
it is also it is also interesting to me how in America we still think of TikTok as a creative platform, where in China, and I'll link to this in our show notes as well, um, most short form video apps have completely integrated into marketplace platforms, and that's just all they're used for. Like they're used for promotion, they're used for marketing, they're used for selling goods and services. Whereas in America, there's still this belief that what you're seeing on TikTok isn't selling a product. And it is weird that we're still kind of living in that zone. It is very weird. Which actually brings me on to the thing that I wanted to show you, which is this kind of category of, this is a TikTok, which makes it most notable, uh, but uh, it's also on other platforms as well. Okay. And I've noticed it more and more, and it's just become this now. Yeah, uh, I have not pressed play yet. Uh, this man yeah, hit hit play. He's tagged it funny joke jokes humor wife. <laughs> he's tagged it wife. Okay, that's how you know it's good. Oh man, I love wife joke comedy. All right, here we go. So it finally happened today, guys. It finally happened. My son asked how he was born. So I explained it to him the only way that I knew how. Uh-huh. His mother and I love each other very much, uh-huh. and one day we decided to grow a plant. A plant. I stuck my seed into some soil, uh-huh. and his mother watched over it for a few months until it grew into a big, okay. healthy plant. Sure. And then we dried it, smoked it, and forgot to use a condom, and that's how he was born. Oh. Right. So that's this... that's unfortunate. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this guy, it turns out, this is his entire account. It's just recounting these dad jokes as though they happened to him. And I'm slightly obsessed with them because I've realized more and more that I keep seeing jokes that you would have read in like a paper joke book that you found in a doctor's office in like 1992 on the internet, but told as though they're real and happening to people. And I think that firstly, it's fascinating. On the one hand, I'm like, okay, that's just updating it for the 2021. 20, fine. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm not sure people do know that they're not real. Like, this guy... Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. This guy, in context, when you can see his entire account, you're like, okay, no, this guy is... This is his thing. He he retells slightly old jokes. Fine. Right. But I then came across one of these on Twitter that had, like, thousands of retweets. And I was like, okay, out of context, this is just not anything. This is, like... This looks as though it's real. I can't look at someone and see that and be like, oh, no, they're clearly telling the truth. At which point I realized that these sorts of jokes are being rounded up and aggregated by news outlets as though they are real. And I'm not kidding oh. about that. Do you, wait, yeah, send me the link. I want, to, I want to see this. Okay, right. So this is based on a similar joke, but a same account, different joke. Okay, so this is the same guy. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a story from the mirror, uh, and it's titled "Man buys wife dress that's too small to make her lose weight, but she gets even." And and the joke is that he that when he gets home, she has given him uh, condoms that are too big for him. Oh, I get it. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not, but like, I get it. Okay. So this is interesting because. And I, I think it's not an accident that like a UK paper is the one turning this it's stuff not. into like reality. But it is interesting because it's almost like the final evolution of like the the KFAB social media realm. Like like it is a man clearly just telling recycled jokes on a TikTok and then it's being covered as real and like no one really cares because there's no stakes to it. Like no one's 
Like it doesn't yeah. matter if it's real. Yeah, exactly. It's it's quite strange. And then, so if you go to the comments on the on the Mirror's Facebook page, some of them are saying, uh, "This is really funny, ha ha ha, good for her." And then some of the people are being like, "I think I'll find these jokes are actually scripted." And it's 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 extremely strange, like that that people are not because you know if if we'd recognize the joke and you saw this out of context, you would be like, "Wow, why this guy's just telling a story? Therefore, it's probably true." Like it's a picture of him; he's in his car, fine. As soon as you go through to his TikTok account, you're like, okay, clearly this is a series of dad jokes. I understand this in context. But just this constant stripping away of context means that, yeah, it's just someone making something up. It's an old joke. I'm confident this joke has been around for 30 years. Right. And it's just a man borrowing a dad joke, and then it's being written up somewhere, and people are thinking it's real. And bringing up a lot of place, it's very strange. Yeah, it's it's almost like the like an evolution of those weird channels where like the husband torments the wife for youtube traffic yeah where it's like he is actually doing that he is shooting her with toilet paper but she probably agreed to be shot with a toilet paper cannon but then we're all going to talk about it like it's a real thing yeah even though it's not a real thing and now it turns out you don't even need to do that no this is actually where i got it from is that a bunch of these channels originally are often doing these things and they're just replicating a joke from like a 1995 joke book right well smart fair yeah yeah it's fair enough like there's still like good humor in there but i love wife comedy i love hashtag wife hashtag joke (laughs) (laughs) so it's one of these things that it's just it is incredibly strange and i don't i don't quite know how to process it yet well i mean it's clear once you're married you have to sit out alone in your car (laughs) and you have to tell jokes about tormenting your wife for tiktok traffic yeah i mean it's just it's just a good good good, good an idea a solution as any <laughs> so this week we are talking about joe biden he's president now <laughs> he's the president of america now and um, it has been, I think, very fascinating to watch the entire sort of like, th- like the entire news apparatus, I guess, like the political media apparatus around the Biden administration, just like go off the rails in the last two weeks. <laughs> and we are now just like, we are just playing the hits from 2012. Wait, sorry, sorry. Are you, are you, are you saying that everything is not solved now? Weirdly, I don't think things are immediately well i think some things are actually much better than they were maybe six months ago but i think a lot of things are just bad in a new weird way like again i don't know if they're worse but they're bad in a weird way so interesting luke have you have you been following the stuff about like joe biden's dog because i want to start with the dog my understanding right my understanding of the dog is that (laughs) he has dogs Uh he one of them attempted to murder him by tripping him up and breaking his foot they moved into the White House. There's a terrible, terrible Twitter account that that pretends to be the dogs. Yes. And now the dogs have moved out for biting people. Yes. So the dogs, I think, as of today, <laughs> are are like going to doggy school or something. And then <laughs> the the oh, you're talking. <laughs> God, this is all so fucking stupid. Okay, the account you're talking about is the Oval Pothis fans account. That is the one I'm talking about. And last week, they tweeted a picture of them photoshopped into the Oval Office next to Joe Biden. And the tweet reads, woof, our dad at POTUS signed the American Rescue Plan. Stimulus checks will hit bank account. I'm sorry. Bank. 
Stimulus checks will hit bank paw counts as uh, early as this weekend. Paw is not even the same. It's not even. It's not all counts. It's not our counts. It's accounts. Humans will be vaccinated. You could do. You could do. You could do bar counts. Look! 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 Humans are being vaccinated across the country. Uh. <laughs> this is a hashtag major win for Americans. We are keeping our promise to hashtag build hashtag bark no hashtag build bark better. Happy day. Do the do the people running this account only know that dogs have paws? They don't know any other part of a dog's body. Dude, it gets it's so demented. The next, it re- then it replies to itself with a paw emoji, and it says, "Paw, course we were not there. We pot. <laughs> I I can't I can't pronounce this. We potoshopped ourselves poorly. We might add in at Meg Hayes forty six's photo because we were in the room in spirit for this historic moment. Woof. Hashtag Dotus. <sighs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> These people are... its I mean, it's like dog spotting plus the resistance somehow, but not against anyone. So it's... its its I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it is one of the most incredibly crazy things I have ever seen. And I, I think this account is connected to the administration. Like, it's an... Is it, it is, right? I, I don't know. I don't know if there's ever been an official dog account. I, I think the amount that they they hashtag, the, the the amount that they put their like own watermarks on stuff, I feel like they're not. Also, I just, I think that they would not be carrying on this invoice stuff if it was actually them. But who runs it? I think genuinely a really strange person. <laughs> like, it is just, a, like... This is kind of one of the things, like, if you want to do a parody account, parody accounts can be funny. I haven't done one in, like, forever. But if you do it, you do it for, like, a day. You get a day, maybe two or three out of it. People notice it. It goes semi-viral. Everyone goes, like, huh, this is cool. And then you stop. That's it. You got to start start it and kill it. On on making an ongoing thing with almost 3,000 tweets is a lunacy. Okay. Okay. I finally got, I finally got, Okay. <laughs> Reuters did a fact check and because um, the account put out a statement in, in January that just said woof, 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 woof a bunch. Oh, I've just discovered there are competing dog accounts. Yeah. So the administrator of the Oval Poffice account confirmed to Reuters that it is not related in any way to the Biden comms team. But what is very strange is that uh, – Earlier this month, after the the dogs like bit people or whatever and got kicked out of the White House or whatever the fuck happened, a reporter asked uh, the uh, White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, if they were going to replace the dogs with a White House cat. Because I guess there was some conversation about whether or not they would be getting a cat. Also, my my guess is is if the White House is anything like uh, Downing Street, it's actually incredibly old and kind of annoying and has is falling apart and therefore they actually could do the cat because it will be full of mice. Yeah, for people who are listening who don't know this, Downing Street does have an official mouser. He sometimes wears a tie. It's fantastic. So um, the White House communications director said, uh, where's the cat? Today is a good day for the cat. I don't have any update on the cat. 
We know the cat will break the internet. So that's where we are um, with this whole thing right now. <laughs> I just, why would the... Oh. I'm also on record as hating the Downing Street cat because it's fine to have a cat to catch the mice. There are a lot of mice. I do not like the fact that everyone fawns over and takes photos of it as though it is a thing that matters. I like the cat. He wears a tie. I, don't, I think we're thinking about different cats. I thought Larry, the, 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 the Downing Street mouser, wore a tie. I don't think I've ever seen Larry in a tie. But the point is, my point is... Yeah, he, wear, he I, wore a bow tie. See, this is the problem. And I think that, you know, we have the exact same issue with the, the, the White House cat and the White House dogs, who obviously the White House dogs are actually Joe Biden's dogs, rather than just being official dogs of the, of the administration. Ugh, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I hate this so much, and it is this weird, distracting thing, and makes me feel like no one is taking anything seriously. Well, it gets worse, uh, because... Okay. Good. Uh, uh, Adrian Watson, the communications director for the Democrats, uh, on March 10th announced that Americans would be getting a check of $1,400 and that the Democrats uh, were going to pass the American Rescue Plan. And they chose to announce this uh, with a uh, straight up uh, just wildly cursed 2013 uh, Love Actually Sign parody video. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> It is uh, it is creepy walking dead guy uh, using the, his placards to tell Kira Knightley all about the American rescue plan. We are all dying of COVID and going bankrupt from having no work. And the Democrats are going to tell us all about it with a love actually meme. You know, this is actually a Boris Johnson campaign ad as well. It was. Yeah, it's um, a lot worse. <laughs> as you might as you might expect as i yeah i can totally imagine that being much worse uh okay you need to skip through to about 30 seconds through here but all right i'm pressing play on this okay boris johnson's funny love actually parody oh hi yeah so yeah skip through to about 30 oh seconds this is this is bad mm-hmm. the dude, worst part of dude it is- i'm sorry there's a prime minister character in Love Actually. Why yes. wouldn't Boris Johnson just play the Hugh Grant character in a scene and have him be like doing something, something? Well, because if you recall what the prime minister char- character in Love Actually was, he was a guy who Tony Blair. No, uh, but the Hugh Grant character, who was the prime minister, um, was a single man who went after a young, much younger secretary working in his office. Oh, yeah. Being Boris Johnson, he cannot play that character. I forgot that that movie... Oh, man. I mean, if we're going to talk about Love Actually, we also need to talk about... Like, my favorite thing about the movie, which is that the opening line about it is Hugh Grant vo- doing a voiceover about 9-11. Um, no yeah. one ever talks about how that movie is all about 9-11. And it came, out in tw- 20, uh, it came out in 2003. Can you do me one more favor in this video? Can you skip to 1 minute 55? Uh, okay, because he has makes one of the single most alien gestures I've ever seen anyone make. Because I'm obsessed with how he holds his thumbs up in that sequence. Which is just incredibly strange. And looks like he's never held, put his, never given anyone a thumbs up in the history of ever. Oh. He, oh, yeah. no. I don't like that yeah. at all. That's bad. I don't like that. I don't like looking at him. No. I don't. He also. He looks gnarly in this. But he looks way gnarlier now. Like, it's incredible how he just keeps looking worse. Well, this was the end of 2019, and it has been a stressful year, I will concede, for him. 
Um, one other thing that I think is so strange about this is that he did not know what love actually was before he made this clip. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's he had fantastic. never seen the movie and had no idea what this is reference to, and was just told to do this, and was an all right. That's fantastic. Good for Boris. To bring it back to the Biden thing. Yes, sorry. It is It is not just the Biden administration that is like doing this weird, we're all back in 2012 LARP. It's also the media in a way that is very strange, where you have the AP who on March 13th uh, tweeted, President Joe Biden has spent three of the eight weekends since his inauguration in his home state of Delaware. The White House defends those visits at a time when the administration is urging the public to avoid unnecessary travel. And then you have uh, the Washington Post who uh, published a story after 50 days as president, Biden still hasn't given a news conference. And then you also have my least favorite example of all of this, which is Politico's Daygate, which is one of the most insane things I have ever read, which White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki insisted in her briefing that today was the 49th day of Biden's presidency. Chief of Staff Ron Klain also declared it to be day 49 in a tweet. That would make Thursday, when Biden delivers his first primetime address about his signature COVID-19 relief plan, the nice and even day 50. But like a high school student scribbling a few seconds after the teacher yells pencils down, the Biden White House is giving themselves an extra day, refusing to count the day he was sworn in on as a day in office. Today, dear readers, is actually Biden's 50th day in the White House. Welcome to hashtag Daygate. The White House did not respond to questions about their calendar math, but Biden is not the first president to play loosey-goosey with the entirely artificial 100-day timeline. What the fuck is going on? (laughs) Okay, well, I think the big thing about this is that this is what the news was. Like, is that just an, what this was? Yeah, no, this was, there was an extended period. I've been listening to a really good podcast actually called um, An Esoteric Day in Political History, uh, which is basically a 10 minute episode where they go back and pick one random thing from, you know, the last, uh, you know, 400 years of America and talk about why this was interesting or weird. And some of the stuff they go back to is like interesting scandals from years prior. Obviously, some of them are Watergate. Ah, uh, I've heard of that. And others, others, yes, yes. Uh, and others are like Jimmy Carter and the rabbit, where there was like apparently a three week long scandal because there was a rabbit near Jimmy Carter. Near him? Yeah. So he was swimming in his, uh, where is he from? Georgia. Uh, he was swimming in like a, a watering hole. No, he's in a boat. That was it. He was in, maybe he was swimming, maybe it was a boat. I can't remember exactly. Uh-huh. But then there was a rabbit. That, no, he must have been in the boat because he had the oar. Rabbit swims up to him. Didn't know rabbits could swim, but apparently they can. Uh, tries to jump in the boat and he like ushes it away with an oar. Wait, you didn't know rabbits could swim? Why couldn't they? Why wouldn't they be able to swim? She never thought about it. Okay. So what happens after he pushes the rabbit away? Uh, it's like a three week scandal uh, and possibly cost him the election. Because he did he hurt the rabbit? No. Okay. It just it just it just uh was it was basically briefed out in such a way uh, that the guy who basically like a month later someone had mentioned that uh this incident had happened while he was on a fishing trip. Uh, and then someone, then they eventually ended up on the front, the front page of the Washington post with the title, bunny goes bugs, rabbit attacks president. And then a few weeks later, they released a, a rabbit. Wow. The, sorry. They released a photo of the rabbit and it, and it was indeed a photo of, of a rabbit near a boat. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't want, I don't want a president near 
a rabbit if he's in a boat. You know, I don't want that kind of thing. Yeah, but broadly the version of it was is it kind of spoke to a version of Jimmy Carter who was a little bit, uh, a little bit clumsy, a little bit um, homely, and maybe not quite up to be being president. And it was considered to be a, a vaguely contributory factor to his um, eventual loss in that in the, in the later election. But that is what the presidency was like. There was like an extremely long scandal about Obama wearing a tan suit. I mean, so okay, I left America in 2015, and when I left America in 2015, I wasn't really like a political reporter. There was really no need to have a political background covering web culture because like the world hadn't shifted. Yeah. And then I didn't really come back to America very often. Um, I'd come back for a couple days here and there, but I came back to the uh, my New York office in like 2017, maybe like middle of 2017, yeah. like. America had gone fully Trump nuts. And I remember I saw on the TV that Sean, Sp- Sean Spicer at the time was doing like a White House press br- briefing. And yeah. I like said as a joke to my editor, I was like, wow. So like, w- um, what's going on? Like they, they, they did this yesterday too. Like what, what's the deal? <laughs> and she's like, Ryan, they do a White House press briefing every day. And I was like, since when? And she's like, <laughs> since always. And I was like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> because like there was no need for me to ever give a shit about what was happening in the White House press briefings. Like they weren't right, a thing. Exactly. Like this is kind of it. Like a big part of, you know, uh Biden's pledge, certainly online, if if not on his actual like grassroots campaign ads, was a return to normalcy. And it turns out that, you know, it's very hard to pass what normalcy is because you're putting all this attention on a presidency that fundamentally you shouldn't pay that much attention to because that's how the news has always worked, that you don't need to worry about it ha- about news happening any moment of any day that could imperil the entire world. That's not how news should work. And right. now it's now everyone's like, oh, my God, something's going to happen. And they're like, I don't know, man, I'm not sure how many days. It might be 50, it might be 51. We're not sure. Right. Yeah, no, it's really weird. And it's but I guess what is frustrating is that before in the before time, well, in the in the Trump time. Everyone was very, very kind of aware of all the problems. Even the Trump supporters were aware of the bad things that were happening, but they liked them. Like everyone could kind of agree that like, okay, there are children in cages and some people are like, that's rad. And then some people are like, I don't like that. And then they're like, we are going to ban all Muslims from trying to fly in and out of the country. And his supporters were like, hooray. And everyone else was like, that's illegal. And all these lawyers are going to camp out in airports and like all this stuff. What's crazy about the Biden era is that none of those problems have gone away. <laughs> and no. yet now we have like massive chunks of the media just being like, well, is it his 49th day, his 51st day, or his 50th day? And it's like, wait, but none of this has changed. I feel like, I feel like it's important to point out that the children are no longer in cages. They're in juvenile detention centers. The, well, no, they're being sorted into uh, Harry Potter houses. So they'll be Gryffindor, cool. they'll be Ravenclaw. No, smart, but this is smart, the thing. Smart. There's just like a twee coat of paint on all of the bad shit. And now everyone's like, well... He's going to Delaware some weekends. <laughs> well, yeah, but this is, I think this is also part of it, is that... The White House when cat it, will it, break the internet. It'll be but, epic bacon time for everybody. Like, when you're covering stuff like this, you're coming at it from kind of two angles at the same time. Or maybe kind of three three levels at the same time. One is, like, the very big picture stuff. What are the big policy things he's trying to get through that are going to change the country? Uh, the second is kind of the day-to-day stuff, where it's like, what's his immediate fight that he's having today? Who's he talking to? All that stuff. And then there's the third one, which is kind of the, you know, here's the light thing. 
And everyone understands there are these three different things because, you know, not everything has to be the same. But the problem was, is it became, in the Trump era, just completely elided because all of those would happen within about 10 seconds. Yeah. In 10 seconds, he'd announce an enormous policy, um, turn around and mock his chief of staff right while also then like making a weird sound with his mouth or whatever the hell he was doing <laughs> and he'd do all of that within 10 seconds and i was like i'm not sure which story i'm shooting at here yeah you know it'd be like the same thing where like trump calls his like chief of staff like a uh, like a fuck face on live tv and then he moves in such a way that his butt looks like he's wearing a diaper which then causes like a north korea missile yeah. crisis and everyone's like tweeting the hashtag like missile diaper <laughs> butt um you know and it all happens at yeah. the same time yeah exactly <laughs> So, so that, what that means <laughs> is that now everyone's looking at this and everyone's now trying to rebuild the version this was before. And you can make the case that the version of it before was like bad. I don't know that it was necessarily bad. Like people make the pretty valid point that you can overhumanize people, uh, politicians, and by just basically pandering to, aren't they doing a funny thing? They're doing a basic PR opportunity. But, you know, it's also kind of people who read that stuff, people are interested in it. And it's kind of, you know, it's the... You know, it's the bit of sauce to make the greens go down better. Oh, that's a nice that's a nice phrase. I like that. Yeah, but that's kind of that, that's what it is, though, isn't it? And it's you know, if you only do that, then fine, that's probably bad. If you don't do the other thing, then everyone's going to look at your your vast acres of newsprint, picking through the intricacies of the the bill, and go, I I don't want this. And I'm not going <laughs> to read this. Are you saying that uh, the American public hasn't suddenly become very, very interested in politics and like minute policy decisions? No, they're interested in personality, which again is the distraction of all of this. People are interested in people. And so yeah. you kind of have to make policy stories about people in order for people to care about the policy. I mean, there was a very nice moment for... Well, it wasn't nice. It was actually hell. But for four years, it was kind of easy to talk about politics because it was just one guy. And you just had to know about this one guy and all of his maniac friends. And they didn't have any policy. There was no policy. (laughs) In fact, I mean, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but Trump has sent a cease and desist letter to the GOP saying that they can't use his name in like published materials, which is very difficult because there's nothing else that he left to talk about. There is no there is no Trumpism. It's just him. Yeah, it turns out that yeah, most people just eat really into this one guy. Yeah, everyone just wants the the one guy back, and that's yeah. uh, yeah, it's not great. Essentially, the, you know, the horse has left the hospital, and now half the people are saying we want the horse back in the hospital because at least it's exciting, and the other half of the people are like, we're not sure whether to talk about the heart surgery that's going reasonably well or what this doctor had for lunch, or all the damage left behind by the horse. Yes. Exactly, yeah. or the person cleaning up the damage by the horse. And, yeah. yeah, and they're kind of like, at least when the horse was here, we knew we just covered what the horse was doing. That was the important yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like, we're going to follow the horse around, and it's going to break a bunch of shit, but like we can agree. And some people are like, hooray, the horse broke more shit. And the other, <laughs> other people are like, please, my family is in, the, is in this hospital. And yeah, it is very, it's very maddening, because like Biden... You know, by all accounts, it's just like going back to 2012. It's it's it, it feels very late stage Obama. Um, yeah. But things we know, like, like, I don't know, I have become politically radicalized since then. And I don't <laughs> think I can really go back to like being like, this is all fine. Hooray. I love Nyan Cat. <laughs> like, I, I don't have that anymore. Yeah. I mean, part of this is you can attribute a degree of the success of Trump to a uh, a frustration with how politics was done, particularly online, because it became Uh-oh. more obvious. Uh oh, are we? No, are we being can... red? Are we red pilling right now? 
No, because it's, I mean, it's the same with, it's the same with Bernie. It's the same with uh, Andrew Yang. It's the same with a lot of people coming from a lot of different directions that they're kind of like, no, no, no I can, because the more online you are, the more you can have people highlight the kind, the vague unreality of what they're seeing. Like I you see. can highlight the fact that, you know, it's weird that the press conferences happen at the same time. And oops. Man, you did just recently binge Adam Curtis. Wow. You are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You are inside. I need a few weeks to de 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 Curtis. You are out of Plato's cave, my friend. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> but no, I think you're right. I think there is this bizarre feeling now of like we're all going back. It reminds me of this meme that's been going around Tumblr recently, which is uh, "Girl Boss Gatekeep Gaslight." <laughs> sure. And it's like all of these like you know horrible like centrist liberal white women like being like, oh, it's so great. That like we did a missile strike and like nobody even knew about it. <laughs> it was so <laughs> it was so like it was such a chill missile strike, and there is this feeling of like being girl boss gatekeeped gaslighted by the entire Biden administration, which is all just like you know former Facebook comms people being like the dogs are going to doggy school and it's super cute. <laughs> and I'm like I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> it's actually so it's actually really interesting because what happened in the UK immediately after Brexit. Was the well, I'm not immediately after Brexit, but once we hit kind of lockdown and that became a big controversy, was that it became it, suddenly the the previous teams of Leave and Remain totally fractured. And what you'd think you would end up with basically a lot of like really committed socialists on the same time with a load of like libertarian science bros. And they were the same, they were suddenly the same team talking about like, hey, these case numbers are getting higher. Here's how you manage this ventilation, all this sort of stuff. I and see. then there were two halves of the where the other half of the like remain leave alliance where you had leavers who were just cranks who were <laughs> mad at the EU for not having for outlawing bendy bananas or whatever right uh where you remain people it turns out were only remain because they were just mad that they couldn't go on holiday when they wanted to hmm. and so now they've just totally moved moved sides and you're like oh Actually, some of you people were kind of like arguing on like one set of good faith. Hey, I actually think it's better for the economy if we're outside the EU. And some people are arguing, oh, it's actually better if we're inside because it's better for workers' rights. And there were a bunch of other people on the same teams who were just loons. Right. And like, well, yeah. we're not arguing on the same plane at all. And you kind of, it splits up like that. And you suddenly go, oh, this is not quite how I thought it was. And it's kind of the same thing with the anti-Trump movement, where you suddenly realize, okay, there is a bunch of people who have been politically radicalized and now want to talk about organizing and infrastructure plans and all of these sorts of things and then a bunch of people who are just like we can bomb countries now and we don't have to hear about it isn't that great and then a bunch of grifters in the middle yeah you have like yeah you have like dsa people who are who the entire time were being like please don't elect biden like please don't do this <laughs> and yep. then within that you have like your dirtbags who don't give a shit and they're a bunch of nihilists and you have like your beardo podcast guys who are like you know gonna work at the food co-op and try to do their best and then you have you have like Warren people. You have like you have people who are like there are issues that can be solved with policy and we should get really into policy and like technocracy and you know we should we should do this. Yeah. And then you have Randy Rainbow who is that horrible <laughs> Twitter man who sings songs about being horny for Biden. And then you have like like you know a bunch of like really mean white ladies who are kind of racist who are really excited that we don't have to care about politics anymore and we can we can f Luke, we can finally go to brunch again. <laughs> Man, yeah, I think if, if that pandemic hadn't happened, they'd all be 
that brunch and everyone will be a lot happier. I just think, you know, the once I get vaccinated, I can go to brunch and then there are no problems in the world anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Luke and I will be doing an episode on the Snyder Cut. We were going to do one this week, but there's no way that we could watch four hours of a horrible movie in time that comes out literally the day our show comes out. So before we do that, before we go to next week and we watch the Snyder Cut, Luke, I would like to get a little, a little like, t- tell me what you're thinking going into this. Like, what, what do you expect? I've decided I'm really excited about it. You've decided you're excited about it. I've decided I'm excited about it. I think that. Although, I mean, this may also be coming out on the heels of WandaVision, which I feel like I really enjoyed and I'm now super back into everything. Interesting. I have had like a very bizarre reaction to WandaVision where like I am not super into it and I'm kind of like fried out. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like I have not consumed any Marvel content for well over a year, I think at this point. That's right. And I was, and I was really into it. I was like, oh, cool. This. I used to like this. I did not When I did not spend a decade having to watch one of these every three months <laughs> well uh, that's over because there's going to be like a dozen of them before yeah. the end of the year <laughs> yeah so I, ca- I am now going into the snyder cut kind of excited i think that having like done the research and the reading on it i i think that you know it's super clear that joss whedon like i don't want to be like i'm radicalized into this but it's super clear that joss whedon made a bad movie and he attempted to make a bad movie as part of a different movie and it's like fine okay you've made two movies but you don't have to if you're going to finish someone else's movie then you've got to finish the movie they intended to make right roughly i have this crazy theory about joss whedon and i have yet to be proved wrong about it and i will that he's terrible well he is terrible but i believe that he is constantly haunted by his own like inadequacy artistically so i believe that he made serenity and he was like, this movie is going to slap. And it completely bombed. And I mean, but, I, to be fair, it did slap as a movie. I liked the movie. I liked the movie. But I think it. I think the bomb really haunted him. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to make the exact same movie again. And I'm going to put the Avengers in it. And if you watch the Avengers, 20, the 2012 Avengers movie, it is the exact plot for plot, almost shot for shot movie of Serenity. Down to uh, like... You know, big, crazy gang of aliens coming on the tails of Space Hitler to fight a ragtag group who then lose their iconic ship in the middle of the fight. And there's one character who has, like, you know, completely nerfed powers until the very end. And then they hulk out and win. Oh, and then a fan favorite character dies by being stabbed in the stomach. Like, it's literally the same movie. And then I think the same thing happened with um, Avengers Age of Ultron. And it didn't do well, and I think he knew it didn't do well. And then he was like, you know what? I'm going to make the exact same movie again with Justice League. But unfortunately, he was making it on top of a movie that someone else had already made. Yes, he was making it on top of somebody else's movie. So it's like even more weird. But, I mean, down to there's a giant metal fortress and a giant metal man in a random Eastern European country. There's weird uh, romantic tension between two characters who have never expressed any romantic feelings for each other before. It is it is a Age of Ultron disaster on top of uh what by all accounts is a very different movie um yeah so i'm just interested and if they can strip out the joss whedon from it and make an interesting four-hour movie well okay an interesting movie that does not need to be four hours because let's be real it does definitely is not going to need to be four hours long no i feel like there would be a very good 
two and a half hour Snyder cut movie somewhere, but this is not. Are you saying you want like a Snyder cut cut? Um, I want to, <laughs> yeah, I want someone to do an aggressive edit of the Snyder cut to make it a watchable length. A machete cut, uh, a machete yeah. edit of the Snyder cut. So I've, I've learned a few things about the Snyder cut. One, Cyborg appears to be the main character, which is interesting. Okay. It is not a complete story. Uh, it is basically just part one of what should have been a two part movie, I guess. Cool. Fine. The Joker does not say we live in a society in it. That scene was only for the trailer, which is making me go fucking insane <laughs> thinking about that. I'm so pissed. I mean, I'm I'm pissed, but also the number of scenes of the In the Avengers that were just not in the movie. Like, I'm fine with them doing trailers without having the correct, without actually ha- without with having scenes that are not even in the movie in them. Yeah, I mean, as long as we have the footage of the Joker saying we live in a society, that's all that matters. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Luke, have you consumed any content to stay sane this week? Uh, yeah, Adam Curtis. <laughs> so tell me about that. I mean, I feel like I've done what I feel like I've done a lot of of, of what we we. I think my thoughts have been expressed by my attempts to <laughs> sum everything up into grand narratives that don't necessarily hang together when you think about them for more than ten seconds. Yeah, you're um, really seeing like the biggest possible picture, huh? Yeah, it is a super long set of documentaries. It is six episodes totaling and every each of them is 75 minutes except the last one which is two hours uh so it is a it is a huge huge amount of stuff i do actually though think it's some of his best work for years it is a fascinating kind of and deep theory that gets at an awful lot of things that are not quite um are not very easily expressible and you kind of do need to watch a, a Christ, how many hours? Eight and a half hour documentary in order to get the full sense of it and the full scope of it. Um, But yeah, it goes from basically the 1950s to the modern day and picks up in a few different places, including uh, China, America, uh, and Russia, and in those countries, and the Middle East as well. And in those countries, he picks a small number of interesting characters, including including Mao Zedong's wife, uh, and Tupac and Afeni Shakur, and... uh, Edward Limonov and a few other people who are, you know, interesting and kind of carry these threads through about basically how people deal with society and the idea of uh, complexity in politics. And I think if I was going to take something away from me, it would, the central idea would be that politicians abandoned the concept of attempting to change the systems because they were so complex and handed control over to other things and instead worked to manage the systems. Uh, and it is a kickback, and then there is a kickback from many people who are seeing this and are trying to become individuals within that system and and the challenges that face them, which are often lead to their untimely deaths. Oh, okay. Uh, by the way, uh, just I, we should probably clarify for anyone who doesn't know who Adam Curtis is. He is a uh... <laughs> he's made some excellent movies, like uh, Love Actually was one of his. <laughs> I get Richard and Adam Curtis confused all the time. Adam Cur- Richard Curtis made Love Actually, Notting Hill. Adam Curtis is a very very good uh, British documentarian. Uh, hypernormalization is kind of basically just this podcast, but in movie form. <laughs> um, 
and you should definitely check out his work. I don't think his newest series, though, is available in the U.S., unfortunately. I, I tried to get it, uh, and I couldn't find it. So, I mean, my favorite thing about it is he works for the BBC and puts all his work up on the BBC, and the BBC refused to show it on TV, which I think is incredibly funny. That is very funny. Um, he also, he's like the and, only person who just uses the BBC as a streaming platform. He he's kind of a master of like putting archival footage together. Like that's sort of his main his main bag. Um, I have been watching not that. I have been watching <laughs> a Brazilian show called Sadaji Invisível, which means Invisible City, and it's about uh, a police officer who's investigating his wife's murder, and then discovers that uh, a bunch of like Brazilian folklore monsters are secretly living in his town. <laughs> okay. Uh, my girlfriend's been telling me to watch it i finally started watching it it's very good uh, it takes place in the north of brazil so it's very beautiful scenery and i've been learning lots about brazilian folklore cool that is that is good are there any particularly un, uh exciting brazilian folklore monsters uh i mean one character that i've met so far is a little kid who only has one leg and he hops around on his one leg and he causes mischief and he like rides like a tornado and he his like the, my favorite thing I've been learning about like Brazilian folklore stories is that they all have like very random things. So like this guy's thing is that he comes into your house and he ties all your dish rags into knots. <laughs> so there's like there's like all these like little weird random things. Um, the one the one monster they're trying to find his head is on fire, and he protects the forest. And his legs are backwards, so his he's got like cricket legs, oh, and he runs okay. really fast. And um, so there's just like lots of really really random things i'm learning which is it's it's a good show it's kind of like american gods but brazilian um it, it's good <laughs> that does sound that doesn't fun what what is the language spanish portuguese luke such what? an idiot i'm luke. sorry i'm sorry i'm not editing that out <laughs> <laughs> yeah i corrected um, myself it's fine i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm keeping that in the show um Thank you guys for listening to Content Minds. Thank you guys for supporting the Content Minds for the last year. That's like amazing and weird. Yeah. Um, it's It's been a very strange journey, and it is crazy to think that we are still doing this from inside our homes, wearing sweatpants all day, not going to work. Um, hey, hey, I wear jeans. I, I, make, I wear jeans most of the day. Luke, what? I'm a jeans person. I always have been. You w- work from home in jeans? Yeah. Fuck, dude. <laughs> I, feel com- I, I, I feel com- more confident in skinny jeans than I do like sweatpants or whatever i invested in sweatpants like you know pretty quickly and we, i we, we live together we live together do you remember i never really wore sweatpants and stuff i thought you had one pair of sweatpants you wore sometimes very occasionally oh and you have basketball shorts oh that's true yeah you're a basketball shorts guy maybe it was the basketball shorts this time anyway i'm a jeans guy now so okay well that's cool um i've actually been getting into sweatpant shorts oh yeah it is exciting uh you know <laughs> new look for summer i love new experiences Thank you guys for listening once again. Um, if you want to support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash the content minds. We did briefly have 69 people supporting us over the weekend. That was pretty cool. <laughs> we have more now, but it was pretty cool to have 69 for a little bit. That was fun. This week, we have a very special episode of uh, our bonus show for Patreon uh, exclusive listeners. We will be doing the fast and the furious tokyo drift and we have our first ever guest for that show our friend dan he's an author from the uk and he said if you do tokyo drift i have to be on it and so we're we're bringing him on this week to talk about fast and the furious tokyo drift and i'm excited about this episode what i I have i have thoughts about the about this 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 
this episode, this Fast and the Furious. Oh, are you saying that you've just like been phoning in all the rest and this is the one that you're like really down for now? I have notes. Oh, whoa, you do have notes. Okay, cool. All right. So yeah, uh, come on over to our other show. It's um, five bucks a month. Uh, We also have a, a, a higher option for people who really want to support the show, but I have also set it up. So if you do an annual uh, pass. I think you get like a discount. Like Patreon has a thing where it'll it's cheaper if you do like twelve months or something. Um, cool. And we're gonna keep playing with the Patreon to sort of like make it you know easier to support the show if you want to and stuff. And if you do that, you will unlock uh, Discord access. It's it's a good time. Anyways, thank you guys again, and uh, let's go talk about Fast and Furious. I, I I'm gonna drift on over. Okay. All right. Let's do it. I wanted to get sound of me drifting. That was, but I just, I just rolled my chair into the wall by accident, <laughs> and, I hurt, and I hurt myself. Okay.